Hey, it's Fran Harris, founder of Athletes Who Mean Business. Our company empowers current and retired athletes to monetize their brands and expertise and build big businesses. This show answers one question. How can you leverage your sports celebrity and even non-sports talent and skills to have greater impact, influence, and income? If you're ready to play on a bigger stage, you're in the right place at the right time. Be sure to subscribe and review the podcast. Here's today's episode. And we are talking about the most important capital of all, the greatest capital of all. <laughs> That's what we're talking about tonight, the greatest capital of all. And it's the capital that nobody talks about. And it is still the most important capital, the greatest capital of all. And it is relationship capital. That's what it is. It's the capital that nobody talks about, right? Um and yet, as I said, it is the greatest one of all. Now, we live in a society that's gotten increasingly rude and mean. We, we truly have. We've got, we live in a society that's gotten increasingly rude and mean. Over the, the past weekend, a woman walked into a youth sports center, shot somebody, allegedly about playing time. You know, then someone that we know got killed in his neighborhood, a basketball player. And these things happen, you know, multiple times a day. We are getting increasingly rude and mean. And it's simply because I believe we're, we're just, you know, narcissistic society, society that is all about, um, ourselves and and that's what's fostered. And that's what's, Hey, look at me. I'm so amazing. You know, you're not and all that. And it's like one big middle school. It really is like one big middle school. And it's terrible. Sometimes this world is just like the most uncomfortable, um, unrelenting place to live. And, And that is the society we live in. But we also live in a society that is very loving. We also live in a society that's very forgiving and and very accepting but we don't get a whole lot of pub about that stuff we focus a lot on the you know the queens of means and the the people who are just rude and mean but here's the thing one thing remains central to everything and that is that relationship capital is the best kind of capital and so since i usually talk about business and i usually talk about human development I wanted to talk about relationship capital because every day I'm reminded of how important it is that we focus on relationship capital and that nothing has honestly helped me become more successful in business than the fact that I focus on relationships. Okay. So just like everybody else, everybody has a choice. Everybody can choose to be whoever they want. And I'll talk a little bit about who you're choosing to be, but the reality is, the investment that you make into relationships will take you the farthest in your life, period. All right. So we're going to talk about relationship capital today. May not be sexy for some of you, but I'm here to tell you that every good thing that's happened in my life as an entrepreneur, as a CEO of multiple companies has happened because I was able to tap into a great relationship that I established, had established and worked on um, for most of my life. So right now I want you to name Five people, name five people that you know right now 
are actively participating in plots and schemes to destroy someone's character or reputation. Like, I know you were not expecting that, but I want you to name five people that you know who are actively participating in plots and schemes to destroy someone's character or reputation. Just think about it. We all know them. Some of them are in our families. Some of them are people we work with. Some of the people we play with. I bet you you can name five people who are actively participating in plots and schemes to destroy someone's character. Hey, Karen. (laughs) Right? Think about that. And then I want to ask you, why haven't you said anything or done anything about these acts of terrorism? Let me repeat that. Why haven't you said anything or done anything about these acts of terrorism? We know them. They're in our families. They're in our churches. They're in our jobs. They're in our companies. They're in our homes. Why haven't you done anything or said anything about it? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pretty much pull back the veil on why when we see acts of terrorism, a lot of times these acts of terrorism are on people that we know and love and like. A lot of times they are. And the reason we don't say anything is because of these four reasons. Fear of social isolation, right? We don't want to be the person on the outside. We don't want to be the only person who not, who's not laughing at the joke. We don't want to be the only one who's not whispering behind people's backs. We don't want to be the only person who's going to, you know, be the one who said, come on, guys, that's not that's not cool. So we have fear of social isolation. So I said we we're just like living in one big middle school. But this, these are grown folks. These are young kids all the way up to grown, 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 you know, old people. Fear of social isolation is extremely powerful. Nobody wants to be standing on the outside of the circle. And so rather than stand up and support someone, we would rather say, well, I'm just, I didn't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just not going to participate. But you are participating. When you don't say something, you are participating. Now, I'm not suggesting that you get put yourself in physical harm. But most of the time that we are just quiet and silent, we're, we're not in any harm. It's at a party. It's at church. It's at a family reunion. It's You know, we're not in harm. Nobody has a gun to your head. Nobody is about to blow up the place. These are just regular instances where all you have to do is just say something just to let people know where you stand. So we don't do it because of fear of isolation, social isolation. We don't do it because, frankly, we have dents in our characters. We're not we're not perfect. Right. Sometimes you like hearing negative things about people. Sometimes you enjoy the pain of others. So I'm going to challenge you to get better if you are pleasuring, you know, enjoying the thought of someone else hurting. I think a couple of years ago on my Facebook page, I said, you know, be careful of hanging with people who take delight in your pain. So we have dents in our characters, right? The third reason that we don't say anything, we we, we see these acts of terrorism and we don't say anything is that we're afraid we're going to be added to the hit list. There's somewhere subconsciously we're thinking, if I stand up, then they're going to start doing this to me. If I say this is not cool, they're going to start doing this to me. That is in there somewhere for some of us. So you're afraid you're going to be added to the hit list, right? And then the fourth reason that people 
witness acts of terrorism. And that is how you have to start seeing it is that you are witnessing acts of terrorism. They're not people blowing up buildings. They're not people driving planes into buildings. They're not people setting people on fire, but they are doing things that are hurting people and you're watching and you're not doing anything. So the fourth reason that we do is because people get their esteem from their association from people. So people just like high school, just like middle school, these may be the bad people, but I'm somebody when I'm with these people. So you're getting your esteem from your association with people who are doing bad things. So I want you to think about those four things. Cause yeah, again, I, I will repeat till, till I'm blue in the face. Every good thing that's happened to me has happened to me because I have invested in relationships because I have made decisions that have put me in positions for good things to happen, but they've all been based on relationships. Okay. See what you're saying over here, Karen. Uh, yeah. Most people don't think about these as acts of terrorism. We really don't. We just think, you know, it's what people do. But the accumulation of us just sitting there and allowing people to constantly do bad things, say bad things, it there's an accumulation. There is a, an effect of that. So you've got to decide where you're going to stand on the issue and what you're going to do about these acts of terrorism. I wrote a book last year called um, Bullyproof My Company. And I wrote this book because I was starting to witness and experience some of the things I'm talking about right now. And I'm looking at these professional settings, this professional setting that I'm in, and I'm just like, I don't believe these people are acting like this. I don't believe these people are actually doing the things that they are doing and that they actually get to keep their jobs and be in the positions that they're in when people who are paying them know that they're doing them. And I was truly fascinated by this because I honestly had never seen this stuff before in my life until uh, since uh, maybe high school. Right. So I was always, you know, I want you to think about who you were in high school and middle school. You know, I wasn't the, I wasn't the super flashy chick in high school. My mother wouldn't let me be super flashy. I didn't get to wear makeup. You know, I got to go to school. I got to be smart and I was athletic. That was it. So did people try to bully me in high school? Did people talk about me in high school? Sure. I'm sure they did. Nobody ever picked on me, but I'm sure they did talk about me. I'm sure they did, you know, make remarks and comments about me. And so when I'm starting to see this, like in the last four or five years in my professional settings, I'm going, I don't believe that people are actually acting this way. And so my sister and I, my sister has a PhD in um, um, psychology. So my sister and I wrote a book called Bullyproof My Company. And it's been crazy how many companies have been flocking to the things that we teach and train from our book, Bullyproof My Company. But it really became about the hater economy. So um, when you think about the economy that we live in, it is the hater economy because hate and negative, you know, acts get attention. But eventually the people who are fueling hate and bullying and lying and deceiving people, they ultimately lose. And I know sometimes it's so hard for us to believe that, but it's absolutely true. They ultimately lose. And you're going, well, 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 look at the people who are running the country. Well, the people who are at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue aren't really running the country. They just have 
They just have the biggest microphone, right? They aren't really running the company. The people at the local level are really running the company. So people who are doing these bad things, they already live lives of extreme paranoia, narcissism, and guilt. When I talk about the people in my professional life who I was witnessing this stuff by, I'm like, you are so terrorized. You're, you're tortured because here's what you have to understand. And I know those of you who are watching this live or you'll watch it later, you've seen, you know, the people that I'm talking about, you know, you've seen, and you know, people like this, and you know, you can look into their eyes and see that they're tortured and you know that they want to stop. There's a part of them that wants to stop because I believe there's good in everybody, you know? So there's a part of them that wants to stop these bad things but they're, it's like, it's, it's like a cycle. It's all they have done. It's they're used to it. The adrenaline, the rush. And that was the experience that I had when we started writing Bullyproof, my, my company, we were watching these people act out in these terroristic ways in their organizations. And they knew they were wrong. They admitted to being wrong, but they couldn't stop. It was like, it's like a drug. They can't stop. Right unless there's some kind of intervention. So we know that we know these people, we know who they are, we see them. So I want to talk to you about how to repel hate and how to attract goodness, greatness, love, and support. Um, because it really isn't just about repelling the bad stuff. It's about also attracting the good stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Number one, you have to understand the origin of hate. The origin of hate is fear right? It's not anything other than fear. That's the only way you can hate people you don't know is that there is some kind of fear, right? There's some kind of fear, white supremacists fear that they're going to be wiped out. So their only response is to wipe out the people who they think are going to take over, who are stopping them from getting all their rights, who are stopping them from living whatever life, right? It's fear. Sometimes when you'll be in societies where um, people want to oppress one kind of person, one kind of gender, one kind of ethnicity, it's fear. So you have to understand the origin of fear. Origin of the hate is, is fear. And there's not a lot you can do about someone who's been conditioned to fear you. Not a lot you can do with that. But understanding that the hate, that the jealousy, that what is coming from fear helps you to categorize and compartmentalize the things that people do in your direction, right? And I always tell people, what people, you guys have heard this, what people do is about them. It's not about you, but let's face it. They do do it in your direction, right? The people, the woman who walked into Duncanville, you know, field house and shot this guy, that was about her, but she did direct those acts onto him. So there's a part of it that you have to um, come to terms with because you have to be in a situation where you, you know, protect and keep more safety in your life. So the first thing you have to think about is the origin of hate, and that's fear. Number two, you have to distance yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually from the people who are inciting hate. Again, based on the thing I shared earlier, this is hard for some people because you like being with the popular people, even if they're doing bad things. So you have to learn how to distance yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually from the people who are inciting hate. 
hard one for most people because we want, because those people who are inciting hate are sometimes very charming and charismatic and they're fun. And there are a lot of the things that we like and love, but if they're also inciting hate and you're someone who stands on a different side of that, you know, of that concept, then you have to decide which, which side you're going to stand on. Are you able to distance yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually from people who are doing bad things? All right. The third thing you need to do is to document, and we're talking about how to repel hate and attract love and good stuff. The third thing you need to do is to document your recurring interactions with people who appear to be paying special attention to you. Now, what this means is that, you know, sometimes for whatever reason, people will just start hating, right? You don't know what what you've said or done to incite this but all of a sudden these people are on your posts all these sudden these people are showing up at your events all of a sudden these people are right so you need to document that stuff um in my private kind of coaching my private retreats and stuff i will share some of the security measures that we have in my company that i don't share in like live webinars because obviously there are people who could listen to this who would know what we're doing but all I, will, all I will say is that you need to document your if there starts to be any recurring interactions that you have with people, whether you know them or not, you need to make note of those things. OK, I'll give you one example um, on one of my posts, maybe a couple of months ago, this one individual <laughs> hijacked one of my posts and I said, don't hijack my post. You know, just if you want to promote this, promote it, you know, uh, when I say promote businesses, but, you know, my timeline is my house, don't whatever. And this individual just went off. Well, I didn't even see the post until maybe two weeks ago. And so people responded to this individual just going off. And it was so outrageously over the top that my security team paid attention to it. So that's what I'm talking about. You need to make sure that you are paying attention to people who seem to be going just a little bit overboard about something that ain't that deep, right? So document those recurring interactions with people who, you know, may start like hijacking your post or they start following you on social, they start stalking you, they start, you need to make, pay attention to that and make sure you're screenshotting all that good stuff and make sure you are filing that stuff, okay? So number four is to increase your positivity factor by 10. Right. And this can be, you know, you don't have to go after the people and tell people you're praying for them and tell people you're you don't need to do all that. But you can do that through the you know, private prayer and meditation and healing and therapy. Right. Counseling, whatever it is that you need. But I tend to whenever I see instances of people being like randomly rude and mean in my direction or even in the direction of people that I know and love. Um, or work with, then I always pray for that person. I always include them in my positive meditation for a while because I do believe in the power of prayer and I do believe in the power of positivity. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to continue to happen in the world, but I do believe in the power of prayer meditation. So when I see things that are happening in the world, I just double down, triple down, quadruple down on positivity. And so those are the four ways that I find myself that fewer instances of hate or either I'm not seeing it as much or whatever it is, it doesn't have dominion in my life, right? So 
increase your positivity factor by 10. And that's how you can start to repel, right? Because people like attracts like. So if you go in and start doing the same things that people are doing and you, you know, you feel like you got to give somebody a piece of your mind and you know, all this good stuff, then that is just going to multiply that spirit. And so rather than do that, just disengage from it and increase the positivity. However that works for you, whether it's prayer or meditation or healing or affirmations or whatever it is, increase that by a factor of 10. All right. So let's talk about the four pillars of unstoppable relationship capital. They are, the first one you have to do is to assess the people in your life. Assess the people in your life, right? Think about the people in your life right now, and let's see if they are where they fit into my relationship quadrant. Are they givers? Are they takers? Are they builders? Are they connectors? And remember, we're talking about relationship capital. Who are the people in your life? If you took the top five people that in your life, you know, whether they're spouses or kids or friends or whatever, top five or 10 people, where would you put them in the relationship quadrant? Are they givers? Who fits in the givers? Who fits in the takers? Who fits in the builders? And who fits in the connectors? So givers, I'll just go through these real quickly. Givers are those people who, just like it sounds, they tend to overgive, right? They tend to just, it's always about other people. It's always about taking care of other people. Takers are (laughs) always got their hands out. They're always receiving. They're rarely thinking about other people. They're rarely, everything is about them. How can this benefit me? You know, so they're those people. Builders, you know, these people because they like building things. They like, okay, let's see. Um, how this relationship is going right here. These people need to talk to these people. They like putting people together, right? Not quite a connector, but they like building in relationships. So if things are going wrong, you know, they are invested in making sure the relationship is rebuilt. Those kinds of people, who are those people in your life? And then finally connectors. I was having lunch with someone today and, you know, throughout the, we were having lunch for like an hour or so. And every few minutes, we were both saying, you need, to, you need to know this person. You need to meet this person. You need to meet this person because we're both connectors, right? So we like, there's a part of us that are builders, and there's a part of us who like to connect people. So think about the people in your life and put them in their quadrant, who they are today. Maybe in another life, they were not takers, but today they're takers. And you need to understand this because energetically, you'll start to be able to discern who people are when you meet them just based on their conversation based on what they're doing and their actions and behaviors, but based on their conversation, you know, whether they're givers, takers, builders, or connectors, right? The second thing you need to do after you assess who the people are in your life, you need to declare immunity from people and places that nurture drama and negativity. You need to declare immunity from these people. That means you're going to have to divorce some people. You're going to have to separate yourself from some people. People who are nurturing, creating, co-creating drama and negativity. Declare immunity from those people in those places. So even if it's not cold turkey, you need to start minimizing, reducing the time you spend with people. 
who are always about drama and negativity. Then you need to refresh. You need to have relationships with people who fall into those that last two categories of builders and connectors. Build more relationships with people who are builders and connectors. Okay? And then finally, you need to retreat. Retreat, which means to have your secret place, your quiet time so that you can recover, replenish, and recharge. Whew. I'm kind of in a retreat state of mind, you know, doing a whole lot of stuff, exciting stuff. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we are plugging in to whatever source that we plug into to be able to to recover, replenish ourselves and to recharge so that we can, you know, enter our own race at a, a completely different level. So I just wanted to share the whole relationship capital session because it's it's so critical to our success. It's so critical to uh, a world that for some reason is trying to turn us into something else. And I didn't want you guys to forget that ultimately your success as an entrepreneur, your success as an individual your success in your family will, will hinge on your ability to truly, truly build great relationships. All right. So if um, you are thinking about, hopefully you're thinking about your relationships in a completely different way now, you know, and probably going to be looking at people in a completely different way. But I want you to compute your capital right now. I want you to, the last thing we're going to do is for you to compute your capital. Think about your relationship capital capital in these three ways. I want you to think about the degree to which you are currently engaged in healthy relationships. Right? Is the relationship that you have with yourself is would you characterize it would you characterize it as as healthy? What about the relationships that you have with others? Sometimes we are in relationships with people and we don't realize they see the relationship one way. We see the relationship another way. So I would challenge you to check in with the relationships that you think that you have that are healthy. Check in with those people. Check in with yourself to make sure that you're treating yourself well, that you're being kind and gracious to yourself first. But then there, of course, are relationships that we have with other people. How would you characterize those relationships? The next way to kind of compute your relationship capital is to look at your vibrational currency. What are people giving you back? What are they telling you about the things that you're doing? And that's very different than validation. I'm not saying are people validating you. I'm saying how are people responding to you? Right? Are people saying, man, this really helped me, it really served me, you really inspired me, you really ignited me, right? Your vibrational currency will tell you a lot about your relationship capital. And then the third way that you can kind of compute and get an overall assessment of your relationship capital is through your spiritual frequency. So that's kind of what you're putting out because it will return to you an attraction quotient, if you will. Right. So people will say. 
look at what you are attracting. If you want to know what kind of state your life is in, look at the people that you are attracting. Now, you've heard me say this probably before. It's like sometimes you can be in the best place, the healthiest place in your life and still attract some riffraff. (laughs) Well, because the riffraff wants to be warmed by your fire as well. So it's not that you are putting out bad energy. It's just that if you are truly, if your energy is clean and people want to be around you, the bad people want to be around you too. They see it as well. So when I talk about your spiritual frequency, I'm talking about your alignment with your, you know, with who you are, your cause, your calling, because it will have a great deal to do with what you and who you're able to attract. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight. Um, thanks for joining. I want you to really think about your, you know, I call it again, the capital that nobody talks about because we talk, especially people who are in business, talk a lot about financial capital, raising capital. But again, I, I will always stand by the fact that I would, I could raise $30 million by next Thursday because of my relationships. So the financial capital that I'm able to attract is because of the relationship capital that I've invested in. And if I need to get something done, I'm one phone call away from anything I need to get done because of my relationships. And so my my counsel and my encouragement to anybody who's watching this, listening to this is to, you know, think about think about the person that you are. Think about the person that you've chosen to be. Because that's the critical piece of it is who we are is who we've chosen to be. So if you're not in a good place, you don't like where you are, you don't like what you're attracting into your life, the first place I would start is with who you choose to be. And if you don't think that who you have chosen to be, you know, is allowing you to rise to the occasion of, of who you're supposed to be, then change. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. I just want to tell you that you have such a tremendous opportunity to make a greater splash in the world. What we've done as athletes, not everyone can do. Most of us understand that. But unfortunately, too few of us are leaving a lot of impact, influence, and income on the table. If you want to learn how we help athletes create and build the careers and businesses of their dreams, visit athletesumeanbusiness.com. I'm 100% sure you'll be glad you did. I'm Fran Harris, and I can't wait to help you become an athlete who means business. See you soon.